your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, welcome to this Wednesday afternoon edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So as I said yesterday, we have a very special guest joining the podcast. It is Nick Zararas of Gotham Sports Network. Also does the Upper Bowl GM podcast, which I'm actually going to be recording with him right after this is done. So basically a double whammy today, as I've been doing with a couple other people throughout the last couple of weeks. Uh, remember, today's show is brought to you by Lockroom. You can download the app and join me this week. I believe it's going to be tomorrow against the Rangers to get in on the action, probably be after the game. Lockroom changing the way we talk sports. So with that being said, um, Nick, how are you doing today on this absolute gorgeous spring day around here? I'm very upset I'm not in college and there's a pandemic going on because if I wasn't in, if I was in college right now I'd probably be outside skipping class and enjoying the nice weather with my friends but there's a pandemic going on and I'm 24 so we're here talking about hockey instead. Yes, I think what I would be doing right now if Grandpa Mike was still on the radio I'd be sitting <laughs> yes. on my balcony listening to him drinking a Corona. So um, that is the life right there during college especially as you're like skipping class and watching um, the baseball games as you know yes. the Nationals are playing right now and as i check the score i believe they're down seven to five after walking off atlanta yesterday so um they also play again i think at around six seven o'clock so it's a double header today but this is a hockey podcast of course we're here to talk about the game yesterday i recapped it on my tuesday evening episode just by myself but i wanted to have you here to talk about it as well for more from a rangers perspective Nick, this was a really odd game. If you look at the 5v5 numbers from Statrick, the Penguins had 65% of the shot attempts for Corsi, um, 26-16 in favor of scoring chances for, scoring chances against, 13-9 in high danger chances for. Um, the expected goals for at 5v5, 2.48 for Pittsburgh, 1.65 for the Rangers. Nick, why is this sport so damn stupid? It's the most high-variance sport there is. It's why the most talented team doesn't always win. It's why the playoffs are so extremely difficult to predict ahead of time. It All it takes is a goalie playing really well, a fluky bounce. I mean, the first goal of the night set the tone for the entire game. That Pat Blackwell tried to center a pass across the crease to, I, for, I think it was Lindgren coming down, mm -hmm. and it deflected in off of a Penguins defenseman. It went through Yari's legs, and that set the tone for the evening. When you give up a goal like that, it's really easy to let that snowball on you. And the Penguins, for as experienced a team, as well-coached a team as they are, you could tell that right away, ah, damn, we let in a crappy one. We got to, all right, we got to get it going here. And then the second one where Sid got caught on a back check because Latang pinched up way too far on a, an, a zone entry, which was weird to see. He didn't have a chance. Buchnevich went around him, and he got it through the middle. Yeah. A mediocre sh initial scoring chance, but deflected off of Yari's pad. Zbigniew comes in, backhanded through the five hole. And from there, the races were open. And that's one of the weird things about this Rangers team is when they've, when they're in these open ended shooting gallery kind of games, they typically do pretty well because of the high end talent they have. The guys like Zbigniew, the guys like Panarin, and they can dictate the flow of the game when there's a lot of space to operate. But in games where there isn't a lot of space to operate, the Rangers have a hard time creating offense last night. 
Lots of space, lots of room. The Penguins were taking chances, trying to create offense to get back into the game. And the Rangers had their way. They did not play a particularly great game, but they scored more than the Penguins did. That, that, that Last time I checked, that's how you win hockey games. Yeah, that is, that is what matters most. Um, when it comes to hockey, you know, you win on the scoreboard, you know, sometimes the, the process is not there for a team like the Penguins, like I said, who controlled 62% of the shot attempts last night and, you know, allowed only an expected goals against of just 1.48 and they still give up like goals. So that's probably a game. If you replay it 99 uh, more times, that does not happen just because that is how the sport is. But, you know, the Rangers took full advantage of it. And as you said, you know, it's kind of snowballed after that first goal. I uh, touched on it last night. Sidney Crosby probably had the worst shift of his career, passing the puck to no one in particular, and then the Rangers were off to the races just a couple minutes after that. Um, did all he could playing defense, but you know then they basically left out Jari to dry there. Um, you know, not a good game from him coming back after being sadly injured for those last couple games. Um, honestly, begs the question of who's going to start on Thursday, just because both goalies I think have not looked so good. The last couple of starts, it's a you know far cry from what we've seen the last six to seven weeks with this team as they um, were first in all uh, situations, team save percentage, I think, in the league. And I think Casey DeSmith was a top 10 goalie in goal save above expected. So, yeah, they, they better get that cleaned up as well as, you know, their defensive problems. I mean, you saw Jared McCann talk about it after the game. You know, we kind of feel like we're lost right now not playing for each other. Brian Russ basically said the same thing. We're, gonna, we're not going to run from this. We're going to... Take it head on. We're going to watch the video, correct our mistakes. Um, there were some injury updates. I'll get to that later. But, you know, Nick, I guess I'll get to this next. I've seen some uh, – I was listening to the game on NBC yesterday. Well, watching the game on NBC, excuse me. You know, they're, they're still harping it up. Oh, well, you know, the Rangers still have that chance to make the playoffs. And, you know, as I currently look at the standings, I think they're five points back of Boston because they're starting to win a little bit more. I know both of their goalies are out. One has COVID. The other one is hurt. Of course, that's Tuka Rask because he's always hurt. Is there an actual chance for this team to make the playoffs or – is it just basically a fool's errand and you would have to have almost every team collapse or at least Pittsburgh and Boston collapse? You would need the Bruins to completely capitulate, which, to be fair, they the Bruins have looked objectively bad for about two weeks now. Yeah. They are really having a hard time scoring at 5-on-5. Five five. Their power play is not playing particularly well. They are starting basically four below-replacement-level defensemen, Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grizzlick, every night. Uh, it wouldn't be totally impossible for the Bruins to implode, but... I just don't think the Rangers are consistent enough. They still have some difficult opponents ahead of them, whereas the Bruins get to play Buffalo. I think it's four more times. The Rangers have, I believe, four with the Islanders, which will basically be the measuring stick of if the Rangers are actually making progress or not, because the Islanders are the type of team the Rangers have a brutal time against because the Islanders control that valuable part of the ice, that center area where the Rangers like to get cross-crease passes going and create those high-danger chances that the Rangers have done a decent job of doing, but against a pretty disciplined team like the Islanders, it just doesn't work. And when the Rangers haven't been able to create offense through those cross-crease passes, they can't create offense at all. It becomes a very stagnant guy standing around. There's not a lot of cycling. There's not a lot of board play. But circling back around to answer your question, I mean, most of the public models have them below 15% chance to make the playoffs. I think the most generous money pucks has them like 16, 17%, but everyone else has them below 10%. So it's not impossible, but it's not likely. Um, It's a good talking point. Uh, They're an exciting hockey team to the casual observer for NBC. This is a team with 
the first overall pick and the second overall pick, a top 10 player in the league, a top 10 defenseman in the league, two point per game forwards, Mika Zabinijad. There's a lot of it tantalizing pieces here that to the casual observer who's not watching the Rangers every night, you could say maybe this team gets really hot and makes a run, but I, it doesn't really matter to me this year because this year was never about making the playoffs. It was about making sure the younger players are making progress and getting opportunities to improve. So to answer your question, no, it's not a realistic possibility, but it's not totally impossible, which is why it keeps getting brought up. Yeah, you know, the, the math is still kind of there, but, you know, I think it's basically the same as the Philadelphia Flyers, who also lost lost last night to Boston. They are now tied with you all in points. You know, what a brutal march that was. Carter Hart was basically bottom, ter- like third in the league in goal save above expected and goal save above average. That basically just killed their playoff hopes. But, yeah, I, I don't foresee either of those teams making a run here in the last five to six weeks. I think you have your four playoff teams. It's just a matter of, who is the order? Where? Yeah, like who is seated where? Is is Boston going to catch Pittsburgh? It looks pretty realistic right now with how the Penguins have played the last couple of games and they're still banged up. Um, and you know, I honestly wouldn't even mind that because the Penguins would get Washington potentially in the first round, and I think Pittsburgh can beat them um, in a best of seven series. But we still have a lot more to get to um, for this episode, including. Um, you convincing the listeners um, why everyone should be voting for Adam Fox to be the Norris Trophy winner over Charlie McAvoy. Um, But before we do that, it is time to talk about, well, firstly, it's Bilt Bar. It's a candy bar, well, protein bar, excuse me, that tastes like a candy bar. We just finished up Bilt Bar Madness. You want to check out the winner, go to BiltBar.com and check that out. There's still 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors. Cookies and cream is still my favorite. Carrot cake and apple almond crisp, the 12 originals. Coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They still have that offer. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And also, we cannot forget about Locker Room. Remember, I'm going to be live on the Locker Room app after tomorrow night's game against the New York Rangers. I believe that game is on AT&T Sports Network. It is not on NBC Sports Network this time. It's the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and, of course, reacting to big news and rumors. Reminder, tomorrow night after the game, I'll be hosting a room around probably 9.30, 9.45 Eastern Time. You can go download the free Locker Room app right now. It's on all iOS devices. There's still not one for Android just yet, but they are working on that. Be sure to create a profile, link in Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Hunter Hodes to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. And I'll see you there. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, as I was watching that game last night, Nick, you know, I hadn't watched Adam Fox in a full game for quite a bit now. I've been seeing, you know, the highlights and the glimpses of him. Um, I, people need to stop putting up this little Drew Dowdy nonsense of him being the Norris Trophy finalist. Uh, when you have a player like Adam Fox, who's producing one of the best offensive seasons that we've seen from a defenseman, um, you know, in the last couple of years, to be honest with you all, um, you know, look at his history, drafted by Calgary, didn't want to play there, went to Carolina, didn't want to play there, and he got his wish and got to go to the Rangers where he always wanted to play, and he's been their franchise defenseman that they've been needing um, ever since they traded Ryan McDonough um, to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and of course, you know, a couple other players left as well, but 
Um, Nick, for me, it's Fox or McAvoy for the Norris. I think you should try to convince everyone. Why should we vote for Adam Fox to be the Norris Trophy uh, winner? Um, let's start here. Number one, I'd also add Kale McCarr to that discussion. I know the boomer hockey writers are going to insist that Hedman is a part of that discussion because he's on a very good team. He scores points. He's second in defenseman points. Fox passed him last night. Actually, wait, no, incorrect. They tied last night, but Fox has played one fewer game than Hedman because Fox missed that one game where they thought he was COVID positive, but it turned out to be a false positive. But starting there, I think the discussion is McAvoy, McCarr, Fox. To differentiate them a little bit, McCarr has the most ideal situation of the three. He's on the best team of the three. He's an ideal defensive partner. He's playing with elite forwards. They control possession. They control the flow of the game. McCarr is a special, special talent on the back end. But I think this is similar to the Calder discussion last year between Hughes, Fox, and McCarr. Fox is the hardest job. Fox is playing the most minutes. He is in he has to quarterback a power play, which is pretty stagnant, which goes through really bad dry spells. He's on the worst of the three teams, so he has an increased responsibility. I mean, he's played 30 minutes in a game, I think, three times this year because Quinn just doesn't trust the third defensive pair, which he shouldn't. That Smith-Hayek pair is bottom five in the entire league by most metrics. But Fox just, whenever he is on the ice... He's going to get the puck at least two or three times in a cycle. If you watch him play, he's not the most physically imposing guy. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. He's probably the smartest. Um, I know for a lot of people, you think of, well, that's just good positioning. That's good coaching. But I I don't know if you read what Jack Hahn wrote a couple of weeks ago about Adam Fox, about the the way he plays, where he uses body feints, he uses redirects he uses uh, reverses he uses really fundamental things that you would think are kind of like i don't want to say beneath but yeah beneath an elite nhl defenseman where he'll just he'll reverse the puck behind the net to his partner if he's getting pressured he doesn't want to turn the puck over he's going to make the high iq play if he's walking the blue line he's going to body faint to bait a forward to come up to pressure him so that creates an opening for someone else to get to where that player was just coming from and it's such a cerebral way of playing hockey that I don't want to say McAvoy doesn't deserve it because he's been thrown to the wolves this year. He's played an ungodly number of minutes. He's gotten hurt a couple of times, but he's played with bad defensive partners all year. Whereas yeah. Fox has had the luxury of playing with Lingren. I won't say Lingren is amazing, but he's an effective partner. He can skate reasonably well. He's got decent hands. He can pass okay. He can't finish to save his life. He's had some bad bounces. He sounds like a lesser Brian Dumoulin. Yeah, that that's a good way to that's a good way of describing the arc for Ryan Lindgren, where he's a defensive, he's responsible defensively. He's not going to pinch too much. He covers for Fox well. He allows Fox to freelance a little bit, but at the same time, you're never really worried about Fox freelancing because. He always makes the right play. It's very rare in the offensive zone you see Fox make the wrong play where he turns it over without a clear idea of what he was trying to do or a puck getting to the net because that's basically what it comes down to. Fox gets the puck towards the net and gives his guys a chance to score. He doesn't shoot a ton, which, again, that kind of hurts him because the traditional Norris voter likes to see the counting stats, but... He's got the points. Uh, he's at 36 points in 37 games, 31 assists. That's a really good rate. I mean, it's basically a point a game, and that's, you know, he missed a game, 
And the team started out abysmal. You got to remember, the Rangers could not score the first month of the season. And the Rangers haven't improved a ton since that first month, but they're at least scoring goals now. And Fox is putting up the counting stats to match that. Yeah, he's been he's been lights out. You know, like I said, that that Lindgren Fox pairing is eerily similar to a Dumoulin Latang pairing. Where yeah. Dumoulin will cover a lot if Chris Latang makes a mistake. I mean, you know, Chris Latang is that franchise defenseman, and you know he he will make you know quite a few mistakes. And obviously, Adam Fox I think is on his way to being the franchise defenseman for New York Rangers, which is why I'm making that comparison. Um, and then you know, a player like Lindgren is just like Dumoulin. You know, good defensively in his own zone. Skates well. Dumoulin is also someone that can't finish. He had his first goal of the season last night. It's usually a big uh, game when he scores a goal, but last night, obviously, was probably like the first time in his career where he scored a goal, but it didn't mean anything. He's just always <laughs> had a knack of scoring goals um, in big games. You know, game six against San Jose, uh, scored in game five against Tampa, scored a couple, I think, against St. Louis or something like that like a year or two ago. Usually it's just a big playoff game is where he gets – um, that lone goal that you haven't seen him score in 40-50 games. Um, I, I always, like I said, it was just it was really fun watching that pairing. I mean, it's nice to see Zibanejad too really come into his own after that really uh, rough start. Where it was like, wow, you know, are the Rangers actually going to pay him? You know, ten million per, especially after. I still don't think they're going to. By the way, I do think that they have to move him. He has a limited no movement. Mm-hmm. They cannot. Because if they were to give him that extension, you would have the Toronto team bill. You would have four guys making about $35, $40 million and stuff to pay Sturkin, which it's going to be difficult to pay him because he only has, you know, 50-ish NHL starts. Uh, they're going to have to pay Fox in a year, which is he's going to command at least $8, 9000000 million right out of the box. And then you're giving Truba. So they have Truba, Kreider, Panarin, and um, Truba, Kreider, Panarin, and who am I forgetting? That's the other big ticket guy. Why can't? Why uh, I I'm trying to blank on it too. Um, Kreider, Truba, Panarin. Is it Buchnevich or did he get signed? He's that's another guy. He's an RFA this summer. Yeah. You need to pay him really quickly. You could be looking at a very top-heavy roster build, which could work for one or two years. But I don't think that would make sense based on where their young guys are. If this were a Toronto-like situation where you know, Matthews popped right away, Marner popped right away. Okay, maybe you can afford to give Zabinijad a big bag right now, give Buchnevich a big bag right now, go the two years with um, with Lafreniere and Kako on those entry-level deals, and maybe you make a run in one of those two years and you win a call. But that's not realistic right now. So yeah. I don't think Zabinijad or Strom, for that matter, will be on the team long-term. I don't know what they're going to do at center. It's the biggest hole on the team right now, yep. even though they're getting decent production from Strom and Zabinijad now, I still don't think either of those guys is on the Rangers if they win a Stanley Cup anytime soon. Yeah, and remember, you have the expansion draft coming up, so you're going to lose yep. someone um, no matter what. Every team is, of course. Um, I have a lot more to get to um, in the next segment. We're going to preview the game on Thursday, probably touch on some deadline stuff as well. Before we do that, it's time to talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up for. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, with the promo code locked on at BetOnline.ag. 
All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hun Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hun Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, real quick, Nick, these teams will play again for the final time uh, this season. I don't foresee them playing in the playoffs, so, but this will be the final time these two teams will play until the fall. Um, Penguins will try to get to 6-2 and two on the season against the Rangers. Uh, that would match their record against the Islanders. So that would be 12-4 and four against the two New York teams if the Penguins can get the revenge on Thursday. I'd like to think that the Penguins will come out um, playing a lot better uh, after allowing 15 goals in the last five periods. This was a Penguins team, I was telling you this yesterday. They had allowed uh, more than three goals in a game dating back to their last 16 games prior to Saturday. It was lockdown defense at its finest. You know, there maybe they were playing... A bit above their level, considering they have four, five player regulars out of their lineup, and potentially John Marino might not play tomorrow because his face slammed on the ice pretty hard. There was no really update today from Sullivan, but they might be getting back Teddy Bluger. Um, he's still not officially clear, but he practiced again in full. That would be nice. And of getting Malkin officially started skating today, so his return gets a little closer. You know, when you look at this game, I, I, you sent me this today. You said the Rangers players got their back vaccine today some of them did yeah yeah which is great news um, i hope a lot more um sports players overall and just everyone honestly overall in this country and around the world continue to get vaccinated so we can get back to normal um as soon as possible um what do you see for this game going into tomorrow well the rangers got the johnson and johnson vaccine today so most of the guys who got it are going to feel like shit tomorrow for the most part yeah. so i would expect i would guess at least a couple of guys can't go just based on logic. I mean, obviously your body building that immune response, you're going to have the reaction. I mean, I got my first dose of a two doser on Monday and yesterday I felt it. I was in bed curled up in a ball watching the game and I could not imagine having to play in a professional hockey game. So I can imagine energy is going to be an issue. I can imagine a starter or two probably won't be able to play even though that's not a guarantee. That's just, you know, I would guess that happens. Otherwise, I don't think they'll go Shesterkin a fifth game in a row. It's every other day now, the rest of the way. The Rangers play every other day the rest of the season. So it could be Georgiev, it could be Kincaid. I really doubt they go Shesterkin a fifth game in a row. He does need to rest at some point here. Uh, he's too important to burn out trying to chase a playoff spot right now. Uh, we know goaltending is very fickle, but the results you have seen from him this year are highly encouraging. He's top 10 in the league in goals saved above expected and um, goals saved above average. So he's tracking well through his first 60, 70 NHL games. But you got to be mindful of that. You got to manage that. You got to give him opportunities to rest. Um, as far as mentality, the Rangers have a very hard time playing well after they win a game. They get too high on themselves. They get a little too eager beaver, if you want to call it that. But yeah, I, I would be very surprised if the Penguins did not win on Thursday. Very, very surprised, especially considering how badly they lost and just the type of coach Mike Sullivan is where he, he gets through to his guys and they'll, they'll respond to getting embarrassed like they did. Yeah, I absolutely think so as well. You know, then after that game, they'll play, they'll go to New Jersey, I think, and play their final two games there before, I think, playing the Devils three more times in Pittsburgh on um, this month. I mean, the schedule is pretty soft for the Penguins. I mean, if they can win that game they would get to 11 and 3 and 1 against the bottom uh so well against the well at beforehand it was the Rangers Devils and the Sabres that were the bottom three teams and so now that with the uh, Rangers uh, leapfrogging them so still it would still be 11 3 and 1 
against the Rangers, Devils, and Sabres this year, which is, you know, what you need to do to make the playoffs. You know, that's one of the biggest reasons, I think, why the Penguins want to make the playoffs because, you know, they've done well against the Rangers. They are 4-0 against Sabres, and they still have five more left um, against New Jersey. And, you know, I'm sure Ron Hextall would get through to them as well, come down from the press box with how he was in his playing days. But um, just two more things to get to before we'll call it an episode. The uh, trade deadline, five days away. Um, easily the most quiet trade deadline I can remember for as long as I've been following this sport, Nick. Usually you have quite a few trades done by now um, in a normal year. Obviously with a flat cap and with COVID-19, teams don't want to add money. It's understandable. Um, do you see the Rangers doing anything at the deadline, or do you think they're going to stand pat? And, you know, what do you think Pittsburgh is going to do? Because they've been talking about getting a big physical forward. You know, my only hope is that he can actually play uh, you know, a la Dustin Brown, who's having a pretty good year despite a high shooting percentage, or, you know, someone such as um, Elliot Friedman said, Scott Lawton from Philadelphia, which, you know, uh, unlikely, but um, would be an interesting ad for the team. Rangers, I we know they've actively been shopping Ryan Strom. They tried to trade him last winter before this season. They didn't get any takers. He's got a point per game this season. He's not going to be on the team long-term, at least we don't think. He, he could get you a decent return. He could probably get you a second and a third-round pick, but it doesn't seem like they're going to trade him. Luchnevich is a restricted free agent, but he's an important contributor. I wouldn't think he's on the block. I think the only player the Rangers could realistically be shopping is Brendan Smith, their pair lefty. He's responsible. He's boring. He doesn't really turn the puck over, but to a good team, he could be worth a fourth-round pick as a low upside, high-floor, third-pair left defenseman. He won't kill you. The Rangers can retain half of his salary, even though with only 20-ish games to go of $4 million, you know, it's not a ton of money that the Rangers would be retaining to make that deal any sweeter. But yeah, the Rangers won't be busy if they make a move at all. I suppose they could try and trade Colin Blackwell, who's having a really nice season as their facsimile, Jesper Foss playing up and down the lineup, getting some goals, playing with some high-end guys. But I don't think the Rangers do anything. The Penguins, they don't have their first-round pick this year because they traded for Kapanen. So I don't see Pittsburgh going for anything crazy. I forget. I think I was, yeah, when I talked to Jay Fresh Hockey the other day, I had said, if you didn't give your first-round pick up for Kapanen, I would say Taylor Hall would make a ton of sense, but you don't have that asset to give up. And you couldn't fit him in. You'd have that Buffalo retain half, and you'd probably have to give something to them back to send money back out. So I don't think that would work. Um, I like Lawton's game. He's pretty good. He can play up and down the lineup, but I really doubt the Flyers and Penguins could facilitate a trade. You don't trade within your own division. You just don't do it. I'm thinking of who else is out there. Three-way trade. (laughs) Yeah, I... There just isn't a ton. There isn't a ton out there because the teams that you thought were going to be selling, like Nashville, they got it together and they're in a playoff spot now. Yeah. So at home isn't av- probably not available. Forsberg probably not available anymore because Nashville wants to make a playoff spot, get those extra games in, sell some tickets for two or three for three home games if you can get that far. I I think we're going to get a pretty dull deadline. I think Taylor Hall goes somewhere. Kyle Palmieri maybe goes somewhere yep. for something. I, that's a guy, I mean, I don't think the, Peng, the Penguins could make that work if the Devils would be willing to trade within division. Palmieri's not expensive. He's an expiring contract. You could plug him into your top six, or he could be a 
he could be a plus third line guy where if the Penguins are fully healthy and Kyle Palmieri is your third line right wing, that's pretty good. That's a pretty deep forward group. I would, if I were the Penguins, that's the kind of guy I'd be looking for is a plus guy who's good along the boards, who's a compliment to your high end guys who can occasionally contribute on your power play, kill penalties. But as far as getting an extra body, just to throw themselves around, you guys already have Evan Rodriguez, who's a decent version of what an energy checking forward is. Uh, once the lineup is healthy, he goes back down to your third line. He's not playing second line. That's fine. You don't need another grinder type. You, Rodriguez is a hot. It's fine. I, I don't understand. Tell, tell that the to Brian. There. Tell that to Brian Burke. You know, he, this is Brian Burke hockey at its finest. Um, you know, Hextall can say they want a big physical forward. You know, I, I, I've been on this podcast saying so many times, I don't care if you get that, but a lot of players that fit that are not available. Matthew Kuchuk, are the Flames ever going to trade him? No, and that would be hilarious if they did trade him to Pittsburgh because I think that would piss every Metro team off, well, East Division team off right now at least. Um, you know, Tom Wilson, when he's not playing dirty, again, another power forward that would make sense. Obviously, I don't think a lot of Penguins fans, myself included, would want him on the team and then you know of others as well so you know dustin brown makes sense he probably wouldn't have a lot the cost to acquire excuse me would not be a lot um but you know there's a player that hextall especially has some history with because he won the stanley cup with los angeles all those years ago finally make before i do let you go just a couple more minutes um do you see this penguins team as a contender as we get close to the playoffs because in my mind um when this team is fully healthy and as you saw for the last six to seven weeks I think they can beat any team in this division in the seven-game series. Um, I think they can 100% get to the Final Four. Um, after that, don't really know if they can beat Tampa best of seven. Uh, Vegas, Colorado, the team from the north. I mean, I think they can beat Toronto in a best of seven. Um, but, you know, the other three, not too sure. Well, what, do you, what do you think? Yeah, I was. that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say whoever wins the East Division in the playoffs is going to be so battered and beat up by the time you get to that Final Four. I mean, your path probably goes through the Islanders and then Washington. That's a really brutal two best of sevens to just to get to the Final Four. And then when you get there, your reward is a date with Vegas, Colorado, Tampa, Carolina, or yeah. Toronto. That's a really tall order just to get there alone. And then to play a team that's, I think the problem the East Division has is all of these teams are relatively close to each other in terms of talent and performance. So they beat up on each other a lot. They all hang with each other relatively tightly. But when you compare the talent of even the best teams in this division, of the Pittsburghs, of the Washington, Carolina's got more talent. Vegas has more talent. Tampa, I would say Toronto, it depends on which team in the East, but Talent-wise, it'd be an uphill battle, and Pittsburgh would really need their goaltending to come around. It's been way too inconsistent this year. I think that's probably your biggest factor of if you want to judge a team as a serious contender or not. Can your goalie get hot and play out of his mind if the team in front of him isn't playing well? Um, Tampa Bay right now has Vasilevsky playing out of his mind. When Grubauer's been healthy for for, um, Colorado, he has excellent numbers. Toronto doesn't have goaltending right now. That's why I'm a little less more inclined to believe in them. Vegas, they could go flurry or later. I think Pittsburgh very well could get to that final four. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But beyond that would be surprising, yes, just because the other teams are more talented. Yeah. And that's not a knock. The, the Penguins are a good team. It's just the other teams have more guys. Yeah, That's just the way hockey is. Absolutely. I mean, Colorado's deeper. Vegas is deeper. 
Um, they can basically run two super lines on their team. Colorado has a super line that rivals Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak when they're rolling. And I think Colorado has like won 14 of their last 16 games. So, you know, hope we get nine games of Colorado Vegas in the West Division um, final. But yeah, I mean, that's basically, the, I think, where I'm at with this team. I mean, we've seen the goaltending be really good these last six, seven weeks. Casey DeSmith, like I said, was basically over 9.30 in the month of March. Honestly, in his last 9 to 10 starts, going back to early February, he was around 9.28, 9.30. Tristan Jari going into last night, his last nine starts, um, 9.30. So the goaltending was playing really damn good, but these last couple of games, it's obviously fallen off a little bit. Can't afford to go back to early season form just because the Penguins were winning games and staying in it despite their goalies playing um, so bad. But, you know, you don't have late-era Matt Murray walking through that door, I don't think. You know, for as good as Matt Murray was for those few years, um, the goaltending, I don't think, is going to be as bad as that. But I think that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Penguins podcast. Nick, where can everyone find you on Twitter and your work? All right, so the Twitter at is at Nick, and then my last name is Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Tweet, pretty, produce a lot of content. Uh, it should have... An Islanders blog about why they're so effective at 5-on-5 five five going up either today or tomorrow. Wrote something yesterday about the Rangers' management of their young players and giving out ice time. And then the podcast, Upper Bowl GM, pretty much every day, aside from the random times where there's not really anything in particular I feel like I could talk about for 40 minutes. I don't just talk to talk. I like to record an episode when I have a point. Yesterday, uh, recorded an episode dealing with just the Rangers management of their roster, giving opportunities to guys who won't be on the team long-term, that kind of thing. Monday's episode was kind of just catching up on all the crazy stuff that happened over the weekends, the final four, that kind of thing. Looking forward to this weekend, the masters. I'll talk a little bit about on, I'll talk a little bit about that on some point, probably on the show I'm recording tomorrow. Um, Have a good friend from Twitter dropping by. We're going to talk about the Nashville predators and what it's like being a hockey fan in a non-traditional market. That'll be up on Friday. So lots of stuff going on. This is a great time of year for to be a sports fan. And for content creators like Connor, like myself, there's an, a surplus of ideas right now. So by all means, please check me out. I put a lot of work into my work, uh, pouring over as much data as I possibly can. I wake up every day, have a cup of coffee, make my eggs, and then I spend a solid hour, hour and a half on the natural statric evolving wild money book just trying <laughs> just trying to piece together where the nhl is on this specific day so i have an understanding of what's going on out there yeah and you know the playoffs are now only five to six di- uh, five six days five to six <laughs> weeks away excuse me and i think the north division is going to start a little later just because of what's going on in canada with covid the u.s based ones will start a bit earlier but, you know, it's probably going to be a lot more rampant with spending a lot more time on Statric as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. It almost just feels like the playoffs will start next week with how warm the weather has gotten. But that will do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'll have another episode tomorrow after the game. And then Friday, I will have another one previewing the game against New Jersey um, this weekend. So that will do it for this one. Hope you all liked it, and I'll be back tomorrow.